0: The That's Good From You podcast welcomes you into a dynamic conversation about faith and following King Jesus in a complex world. Join us as we grapple with difficult questions and learn to live in the tension. Welcome back to the That's Good From You podcast. Hello we everyone. are here for a question and answer episode today. Yeah, our first one. Look out. We have barely looked through our questions, <laughs> Yep. Uh, which is making it all the more exciting. Yes. So we're excited to just like jump through some random questions that we have received over the, you know, the last few months yeah. uh, from people randomly.
1: And so we're just going to get into it. Yeah, but let's be honest, there may not be answers. There'll definitely be a response. So I think maybe we call them question and response. That's a good idea.
0: Well, questions and more questions because I like (laughs) asking
1: more questions, so that's fun. (laughs) All right, first question, let's go. Yes, hit us. This is a great one. Uh, Thank you to the person who asked this. (laughs) If you walked away from faith in God, what new understanding would you take up? If you walked away from faith in God, what new understanding, worldview, religion... Would you take up? I feel like I'd be promoting it, but I'm not promoting it in any way. I just know
0: myself well enough to know what is like attractive. Yeah. What would be attractive to you? What do you think could be attractive? Like, what do you think I
1: would (laughs) run to? I don't know if there's any way for me to say this without being slightly like offensive. (laughs) (laughs) But like knowing you and having had these conversations, I feel like you would go down the path of something like inner spirituality about you fair enough yeah it's very true
0: <laughs> i reckon i'd like oh kind of sounds gross me even saying it but i definitely go down the new age path yeah i can see that it's just very like oh crystals even though i'm like oh don't even start me yeah. um but it's just very self-focused mm. and you know I'm pretty selfish. Mm. So that would be a really nice yeah. like yeah. place to go because I know it would yeah. just be about me and how good yeah. I was feeling and make sure I didn't feel bad things. And yes. probably because I'm very emotional too. So I was yeah. like, ooh, cast out the energies. I feel like you get around <laughs> the like, eat, pray, love, like go on a holiday somewhere. Live, love, and, love. Yeah. Live,
1: love, love. Yeah. I could definitely and see I'm that. I'm just
0: going to Europe to find myself. So yes, I could see that. I've got, a, I've got a crystal around my neck and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I even sound like that already. Yeah. Sorry, this is probably really offensive. Anyway, what um <laughs> what new understanding would you jump into? Do you want to try
1: guessing? Part of me is like I feel like you'd be like a an atheist? Yeah. Would you really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Why? Because it makes logical sense and I you work more on the feelings base. I work more on the <laughs> logic base. Yeah. And so if someone had a really good logical scientific argument about why God didn't exist, I and if I hadn't experienced God the way I have,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it would make so much sense to me that there wasn't a God. Yeah, sure. You'd just be like, okay, polar opposite. Yeah, I think so. Like to me that just shows how radically crazy God is that I I'm a Christian because I know, like, logically it doesn't make sense. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Good answers. Mm, there yeah. you go. Really fun question. So. Very interesting. Yeah. Good start. To- yeah. Good- I'd love to hear what our podcast listeners think. So um, if you have an idea about what, if you walked away from your faith in God, where you would go, great. <laughs> now, we are not promoting either of those things. Oh my gosh. We're saying no that we are either of those way. things. <laughs> Seriously. But it's a really interesting question to ask. Definitely. cool. Yeah, it reveals yep. a lot about who you are, what you value. Yeah, what yeah, for. yeah. And in that case, I value me. <laughs> <laughs> and I
0: value logic. Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> literally us awesome in a nutshell. Yeah. All right, our next question oh, we please. have is how can God be in control when we have free will? Jeepers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the point where my love for theology should come out, but really I'm just like, how does one tackle a question like that? Yeah.
1: It's Huge. You, like, whoever asked this, I hope you realize this is such a big question and has been one of the key mm-hmm. theological debates at least in the last 500 years, if not longer. Yes. Is God fully in control or do humans have free will? The technical categories that are yes. often given are Calvinism, which is that God is sovereign, fully in control, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or Arminianism, people have free will.
0: And essentially, like, all of theology is. Um, creating a framework mm. um, around really difficult concepts yes. so that people can try to understand something that is n- yeah. not easy to understand. <laughs> yes. And so these, these kind of like, oh, God's in control, but we have free will, or it's like Calvinism or Arminianism, these like segregated categories in which we're trying to describe mm. this tension that we're feeling is
1: just humans just trying to make sense of something that cannot be made sense of. Yes. Um, Yeah. We're trying to give language to something that is hard to explain. mm. And theologians would probably disagree with me on this. Maybe Mm -hmm. Uh, it would be interesting to hear, but if, if categories that are man made or people made to describe something about who God is and how the world works, if that doesn't work, the issue is the categories. Mm. That we've created, Calvinism, Arminianism aren't biblical terms. No, right. The idea of God being sovereign you can see in the narratives of the Bible, yep. and the idea of people having free will you can see in the narratives of the Bible. And yep. someone said we need to label them. Now, if the categories are going head to head and are not working, then mm-hmm. we need to rethink the categories. This isn't a oh,
0: just because there's tension here and we have free will and mm. God's in control at the same time, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with God or something. Yeah. Yep. Like. Yeah. That's coming against God's character.
1: Yeah, I'm fully willing to sit in the space mm. where God is in control and sovereign, mm-hmm. but where people have free will. And I get that there's a tension there, but I'm, like, I'm okay with the, both of those things being true at the same time.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's the point that you get to. I mean, when I started Bible college years ago, <laughs> I was expecting to be able to come in and sit in a lecture room and be able to come up with answers for these questions. And the further I've gone through is just... Like, you begin to learn that you end up having more questions than answers, yeah. Yeah. but being okay to sit in the space of, I yes. actually don't know. And that's yeah. not a cop-out either. No. no, Like, yes, you can genuinely wrestle with these things and yeah. kind of like label things and look through, you know, church history and how people have understood things and how like ideas and theologies have developed. Like, absolutely. Go yeah. your hardest. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, there are tensions in the Bible yeah. and theology is describing the tensions in the Bible. Yes. Yeah. And there are some
1: things that until we meet God face to face and can ask him the question, we're not going to understand. Like the fact that, you know, we can read passages like my thoughts, like when God says my thoughts are above your thoughts and my ways are above your your ways. It's like we can try and understand. We can try and get the ideas and the knowledge. But at Mm -hmm. some point we've got to remember we're not God god is god and there are just some things that we are not going to be able to nail down in the precise way that we as humans want to be able to do totally that.
0: and i'm like you take me two years ago and if someone yeah. would have said that to me i'd be like that is such a cop-out answer yeah. like don't say that <laughs> yeah. give me a proper answer yeah but at the end of the day no no textbook's going to be able to give you that no like no. you just got to be okay with
1: not knowing yeah 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 one of the other questions we got kind of related to this the idea that so um, now we're thinking about mm. the story of Jesus. If Judas didn't go through with betraying Jesus, would have another disciple done it? And it's almost a question of God being in control and free will. Mm-hmm. Did Would have it happened? Like would have the, the events happened anyway if Judas decided not to betray Jesus? Right. Like was
0: God in control enough mm. for Jesus to have died on the cross
1: and for salvation yeah. to have
0: taken place? Yeah if Judas didn't use his free will mm. to yeah, throw Jesus under the bus. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I don't, I've never said that before. <laughs> what do you think? <clears throat> I think it is a tension. Mm. Classic. <laughs> that we've got to be okay to hold. I remember someone describing like even the um, – I mean, this is kind of same storyline. Jesus being up against Barabbas mm. and the crowd – cheered to set Barabbas free. Mm. And somehow God was in control of that mm. because it led to the events in which it needed to take place. And yet, each person had the free will to yell out Jesus name as well. Yeah. And so it's just this weird like how yeah. do you look at a situation like that and be like, mm.
1: yeah, God's in control and yet people have mm. free will. Yeah. And Judas had free will. Yeah. But God was in control enough to know that the cross was the end goal. Or really, the resurrection was the end goal, <laughs> but the cross was the place where Jesus had to get to. And had Judas not been the one to do it, the cross still would have, the event of the cross still would have happened. Now, did God know that Judas was going to do those things? Yeah, probably. Mm. Um, how do we answer that question with any kind of certainty? If Judas hadn't have done it, would one of the other disciples? I don't know, but would the events of Jesus' death and resurrection mm. have taken place? Yes. Mm. I'm I'm pretty...
0: And literally, in the theology space, my question is like, but would have they?
1: Yeah. Yep. The cross (laughs) (laughs) was meant to happen. Mm. So, Mm. yeah. It's a really tricky question. So whoever asked that, like, (laughs) I I genuinely... I I mean this without, like, you know, without promoting, you know, a particular place to do this. But if that's a question that you're really interested in wrestling with, there are places that you can go and take theology classes that wrestle with the in-depth nitty-gritty all of the little things about this why would you perhaps be Calvinist why would you perhaps be Arminian um and why would are, you be neither yeah why would you be like me and be like
0: both right yeah and I just think of Karl Barth a theologian mm. and I'm like he would say that the cross just kind of happened mm. that Jesus like the goal was never even for Jesus to like mm. die and mm. do the whole saving the world thing that it just kind of happened as he came. Yeah, but the point was him to just come to earth, but it was mm. never to do the whole dying and rising mm. again thing. So I'm like, you have theologians that are just like, mm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He was <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. just going to come, and but Carl the death Bart, thing happened. One
1: of the like most significant theologians of like the last yes. century. So we love Carl. Um, and I love Carl. <laughs> I don't, I don't love Carl. but <laughs> Um, yeah, but There are, if there have been much smarter people than me who are, who have wrestled with this from every Mm. possible angle and haven't been able to come up with a definitive black and white, hundred percent certain answer, then I need to have the humility to say, it's really good for me to have an idea about this. And I do have perspectives on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of opinions. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, I know. Right. Crazy. But to be able to have the humility to say Mm -hmm. other people disagree and that's okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm. Yeah yeah
1: but I think on that and it leads really well into the next question we were asked how do you deal with questions about your faith Mm. because effectively what we've done is said there are some questions when it comes to faith and following Jesus that don't have easy answers no and so there are times of like confusion or doubt or wrestling and so Emma what do you do to deal with your questions about faith Honestly,
0: yeah. um I cry. <laughs> yeah, this is true. But um Can't no, confirm. I came across this quote the other day and I've never heard it um like better articulated. Mm. It says no study bible or resource will ever accelerate our desperation to explore God like doubt and pain mm. befriend them. Mm. and I think that that has been the key for me like over the last few years yeah. of really wrestling with faith and honestly getting to the point where I was like right this whole Jesus thing's a load of crap yeah. um, I don't even know if God exists anymore that's exactly right mm. I remember standing in the backyard being like God's not real and you were like yeah. oh dear <laughs> yeah I was worried um, they're like dead set and I think there is nothing like doubt and leaning into doubt and befriending pain and like the depth of suffering mm. like not ignoring it being like okay you're here to mm. tell me something I'm gonna befriend you and I'm gonna like Learn to dance with you, so that we mm. can actually understand what's going on here. Mm. Nothing like that will act, will accelerate your desperation to know God. Mm. Like no textbook, no yep. like. Even a couple weeks ago, mm. there's a really huge thing going on in my world. And I was like, God, why the hell did you let that happen to me? Mm. And classic theological student got out a textbook. I <laughs> literally got um, to the index page and I, the contents page. And I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. Like, where's the suffering title? <laughs> Went to this suffering page and I read it and I was like, that's crap. And I threw the textbook against the wall. And I was like, no, at the end of the day, no textbook is going to be able to answer mm. questions of faith. I'm like, no, nothing like doubt or pain and leaning into those things will be able to accelerate your understanding of God and your desperation to mm-hmm. want to explore God more. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if doubt and pain is going to drive you towards God all the more, then mm. that's
1: the best thing that could happen. Yeah. just cry about it. Seriously, let yeah. it happen. <laughs> I think all of that is the, the core reason that we decided to start this podcast in the first place because we both have questions mm. and we both wrestle with them and try and find the answers to them and at the end of the day have to live with the fact that there are some things we won't get answers to, but that we both grew up in places that said doubt and wrestling and questions are not okay. Mm -hmm. And I want to completely undo any narrative that says that Mm. because having questions, having doubt is a natural, normal part of being human. It's a natural, normal part of following Jesus. And actually if we lean into them and we befriend them and we, um, continue to ask questions that's not us saying we well it was for you at one point not but that's not us saying God doesn't exist that's not us um you know walking away from God that's us Mm. genuinely coming before God and saying I've got questions I've got things I don't understand Mm. be with me help me through this
0: yeah exactly and Mm. that'll just propel your relationship all the further yeah
1: yeah so I think, I guess my, the answer to that question in some ways, how do you deal with questions about your faith is to be okay with them. Totally. Yeah. Don't run away from them. Yeah. 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 I think that's, you know, like you, we could go to textbooks. We could, I mean, <laughs> yeah. often go to the Bible as one of my right? first places, but the bigger answer to that is not to be scared of them and totally. to be okay with them. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. All right.
0: Next question on our list is what made certain <laughs> books chosen to be in the Bible and not others, mm. um, and then from that, is it true that there are extra books in the Catholic Bible? Who wrote them, and why are they not in the Bible that read
1: that we read? Yeah, yeah. So we're changing tracks a little bit. Yeah. Uh, now to talk about how the Bible came to be, so uh, good the way it is. So um, the Old Testament is a little bit different. Um, we know a little bit less about how the Old Testament came together. But we know it was in place by the time of Jesus because Jesus Mm -hmm. is able to say that all of the law, prophets and writings, which are the three Jewish categories for the Old Testament, they all are fulfilled in him. Mm -hmm. And so by the time of Jesus, the Old Testament is in place. New Testament is really interesting in how it came together. Uh, The early church decided there was a bunch of categories. That a writing needed to meet mm-hmm. in order to be included. So, a book had to have been written by someone who was either with Jesus or who had first hand knowledge of Jesus. So, someone who was with Jesus or someone who was with someone who was with Jesus. Mm. Uh, so, Paul gets in because he meets Jesus, uh, the risen Jesus, on the road to Damascus. Ooh. Luke gets in because he traveled with Paul. And so, that's first yeah, yeah. hand account. And then Luke, you know, when it interviewed people. So, that was one of the criteria. There was a few um, off the top of my head. Another one was it had to align with the rest of scripture. Mm. So there couldn't be anything in it that was contradictory to what was in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing it had to be, it had to be um, useful in the church. So when Paul's letters were being circulated, were they being used in the church? Were multiple churches reading them out and finding God speaking to them through it? Yeah. So there could have been a letter written where like one church was like, this speaks to us. And all the other churches were like, yeah, nah.
0: Mm.
1: But so they were being circulated widely yeah. um, and they were being like, God was speaking to multiple churches or the whole church. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of leads to the last one. They had to be universal. So they yes. had to be applicable to everybody. And some of the letters would have been really, really specific and perhaps not relevant to mm. everybody. Um, And so we don't have every single letter that was ever written in the early church in Mm. our Bibles, but we have the ones that have stood the test of time because they got rewritten out, shared among people. Mm. So that's kind of how, that's a very brief overview of, um, but a good one. Yeah. It's a whole field of study as to how things came together, but they're kind of the key criteria. When it comes to the Uh other books in the Catholic Bible and also the Orthodox Bible, there's like an extra 15 or 16 in the Catholic Bible. Bonkers. Yeah, we call that the Apocrypha. Um, I used to think that the Apocrypha was like a dirty word and that the books in the Apocrypha were like, like evil. And I, I don't know why. I think probably, go. probably growing up Lutheran had something to do with that because Luther <laughs> wasn't a big fan of the, the Apocryphal books. Um, we don't necessarily know who wrote them. Um, that's not that unusual though, because mm, there are totally. some Old Testament and New Testament writings that we, we don't, don't actually know yeah. who wrote them and that's okay. It doesn't mm. change our belief that the ones that are in the Protestant Bible, at least are God's word. Mm-hmm. But in terms of why they're not in the Protestant Bible, they're in the Catholic and Orthodox, but not in the Protestant, um, that's a really hard question. I've never found a good answer to that. Mm. I haven't found Catholics give a good answer. I haven't found the Orthodox give a good answer, and I haven't found Protestants give mm. a good answer. I read a book on the Apocrypha to try and find the answer and didn't find it. <laughs> um, lol. <laughs> just just like backs up everything else we've just said. Yeah. But if I had to kind of give some kind of answer to that, um, the apocryphal books, there's history in there, there's apocalyptic literature. It gives us really interesting information about the 400 years between the Old and New Testament. So I actually think like Christians, all Christians should read them because they're actually really mm. interesting. The thing with Protestants is, is we would say they're really interesting. They're really helpful for understanding that time. We just don't believe that they're God's word. Mm. So they're not bad. They're not evil. They're actually really helpful books yes. and I teach out of them. Historical, yeah. They're just not, God's word, and a lot of Protestants would say that reading through the Old Testament and New Testament is quite different to reading the Apocrypha. You don't get that same sense of it being God's word and God speaking. Hmm. And so, I think for me, that's probably the best answer I've found that they're really helpful, they're just not God's word to us in the same way that the Old and New Testament are. Catholics and Orthodox would disagree. The Catholic yeah. Church would say that uh, God still speaks through them, and um. That's okay. That's one of the, yeah. you know, things that Distinctions, we yeah. Yep, we live with. And we, I would, I mean, at least I would say that Catholics are still my brothers and sisters in Christ, mm. even if they have the 15 or 16 extra books yeah. in yeah. the Bible. Mm. Yeah. But really good questions. And there's a lot more resources on that um, out there. There are books on the Apocrypha if people want to read them.
0: Mm. Good one.
1: Yeah. All right. This is a uh, related question, but possibly an even harder one to answer. Emma, what's your favorite book in the Bible? Oh, favorite book of the Bible. <clears throat> at the moment. Yeah, I was going to say,
0: I, like, I can't answer that when Someone's like, what's your favorite Bible verse? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> um, I'd say at the moment it would probably be the book of Amos. Okay. I've just finished an exegetical paper on the book of Amos and it has blown my mind. It's changed so much of the way I think and understand. Uh the Old Testament Prophets. Interesting. And I think being able to understand the socio-historical context of that book and how Amos was able to speak into a specific context mm. to a specific people because of what was going on in the rulers mm. of um, the culture at the time and the kind of wealth that they had because this certain like um, – Like northern Israel were in control of the trade routes, and that meant wealth, and that meant power, and that meant authority, and so that meant that yeah, it was just it's been crazy to understand the depth of context, Mm. which has helped me see the way that God has like so strategically spoken into Mm. a group of people um, through Amos, Mm. and it's been it's been really
1: cool. It's really brought the book to life for me. So
0: at the moment, that for sure. What about you?
1: Uh, Yeah, so. I, the two that I keep coming back to are the Gospel of Luke and Revelation. Classic. Yeah. So Gospel <laughs> of Luke, I'm going to be teaching a subject on that next semester. Super excited because um, Luke's gospel is the gospel for the poor and the oppressed mm. and the marginalized and women. Yeah. And uh, he absolutely subverts all of the cultural expectations of the day in bringing the story of Jesus to us. So I just, I love it. And then uh, we recorded earlier uh, the podcast on the renewed creations, the new heaven and the new earth. And how can you not just love oh, at least the last couple of chapters of Revelation, Seriously, like Revelation 21 would, ha- would have to be one of my favorite passages in the Bible because it just makes me imagine the world that god is going to come back and set right and that's so exciting oh makes me want to ball my eyes out <laughs> yeah so good
0: it's yeah, so it good amazing love that <clears throat> and finally to finish off mm. our uh episode our question <laughs> yeah. and response episode uh we were given this question since god never changes why does he seem different in the old testament mm. compared to now
1: yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people ask the question as well, like why does he seem different between the old Testament and, and the new Testament? Testament. Um, yeah. so we, we both actually have written papers for Bible college yeah. where the question was something like, you know, the God of the old Testament is a God of vengeance and violence. And mm-hmm. the God of the new Testament is a God of love and mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. Is this an accurate representation of who God is? And I would say no. Yeah. <laughs> it's why not. would you say no? Um, yeah. So let I me mean, start with the bad and then go to the good. So we, we do see times of God's judgment and um, I, you could say violence if you want to, but I, I think judgment is helpful in the Old mm. Testament. But mm. Jesus also goes pretty hard. <laughs> like Man. you cannot say that Jesus is all grace and then read passages where he calls the Pharisees, like broods of vipers and says they're like whitewashed tombs. There is so much judgment coming from Jesus to the religious leaders. true. Um, And we see, you know, God's judgment when he comes back in in Revelation, we get imagery of that. So Mm -hmm. I think like God being a God of judgment and justice is a consistent theme throughout the Bible. Yes. But then you look at the good stuff and you go, well, actually in Deuteronomy, so early on in the Old Testament, God is said to be, um, like loving and abounding in you know covenant faithfulness yes, and um, all of all of these amazing things like he's a God of mercy and grace in the Old Testament as well. And so like we see this amazing grace salvation event in the Old Testament where God mm-hmm. gets his people out of slavery totally in Egypt. Essentially then, the equivalent act yeah, of yes, Jesus' fine. death. Yeah. So yeah, the, the Exodus in the Old Testament is a mm. salvation of the major salvation event of the Old Testament and the cross is the major salvation event in the New Testament. Yeah. He's a God of salvation. He's yes, a God of grace. grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of love mm. in the Old Testament and the New Just Testament. Just as much, yeah. Um, and, but it's it's easy to miss that um, because we don't necessarily understand a lot of what's going on in the Old Testament. We don't understand the giving of the law as a gift. We don't understand God bringing judgment on Israel as an act of mercy, trying to bring them back. Like he's trying to draw his people mm. back to himself. Mm. Um, and there's always hope. Mm. Like you read through the prophets and it's like the day of judgment is coming, but also I have a plan for you yeah. and I have hope for your future. Um and so I would take Did you God, just quote Jeremiah? I did just quote 20, Jeremiah twelve but in context, I know it, it's true, it's yeah. true. <clears throat> like and and it's uh so there's this mix of God being a God of judgment and justice and mercy and grace and love and abounding in, you know, faithfulness. That's right. In both the Old and the New Testament. And I would say that God is still doing that today. We just don't talk about his judgment or his justice because no one likes it.
0: That's exactly right. And I think we miss a lot of what goes on in the Old Testament and the way we see this cycle of... Um, God sets things right and then Mm. God calls his people to obedience and that's actually an act of grace being like, this is how you live in right relationship with me and with other people, like live this way and you will flourish. Mm. And then the people don't and they stuff up and then God has to send people to be like, hey, can you like tell (laughs) them to like get their act into gear? And then there's like some sort of like judgment and correction and then there's repentance Mm. and then God gives them grace and says, all right, we're okay. Yeah. And then it just happens again. Yeah. But the amount again. of times this cycle happens and the amount of times like God is gracious mm. and sets the people right. And mm. like how many times he's merciful yeah, yeah, is insane. And we miss that because yeah. we just see
1: like, like yeah. the judgment and the, oh, yeah. God's like correcting his people yeah. and that's really bad. And-, and then we come to today and we talked about this a bit in the last podcast episode. We associate judgment with crime and punishment yeah. and being yeah. looked down upon. Mm-hmm. And so churches don't preach well some churches preach God's judgment probably a little bit too much but a lot of churches aren't talking about Mm. the judgment and the justice of God and so all we hear from our churches and this this is a good thing we need to hear this from our churches but all we tend to hear is God is a God of grace God is a God of love Mm. come to him and it's like yes of course there's also some crap in our lives that needs to be dealt with yeah and we don't tend to talk about that as much and I mean your church tradition might be different but we tend to get to the end of a hard passage. So we might be reading a passage in the gospels where Jesus has said something really harsh to the disciples. He's like, you know, you've got to give up your family in order to follow me. And we go, but it's okay because God loves you and wants you to follow him. And it's going to be really good. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're not actually preaching what Jesus said. Now there are passages where Jesus does talk about like love and grace and all those sorts of things. And so does Paul, but we always soften The message of hard passages. And so I actually wonder, like, I don't think, I think God is the same yesterday, today and forever. I believe what the writer of Hebrews Mm -hmm. has Mm -hmm. said. I actually wonder if it's the way we talk about God today and the way our churches preach about God today. That means that Mm -hmm. we don't see God as being consistent. Definitely. And
0: that's right. That idea of judgment, but to be like, you know, what? actually God, because he is a God who judges Mm -hmm. Roman right, like he's a God of love. Yeah. Yes. Like, because he loves, he judges. Yes. Because he's wanting to set all things right. Yes. That a God who is holy and loving his people is a God who's angry against sin and a God who has to judge that.
1: Yeah. And God is that way today. And I just don't know whether we tell the whole story or have helped people see the whole story. And I say that as someone who's worked as a pastor Mm. who I often – I look back at the preaching that I've done and I'm like, geez, I really haven't talked about sin much Because people don't like that language and it's like, well, just because people don't like it, it doesn't mean we shouldn't be talking about brokenness and judgment. Um, So I, I fully believe God is the same Old Testament, New Testament today how we understand what we're reading in the Bible plays into it. And also what we hear when people preach and talk about who God is probably plays into it. That's right.
0: And maybe it's been a misunderstanding of reading Mm. the old Testament as much as it has been misreading and choosing what we want to hear from Jesus being like, come (laughs) to me and rest. I'll rest you. And it's like, of course that's the kind of Jesus he is, but he's also a Jesus that's
1: like flipping tables and, through yeah. and whitewashed tombs. Seriously,
0: he's like, yeah. get away from me, Satan. Yeah. Like, yeah. is that kind of Jesus to too. To all of his followers. And again, here we are with the tensions. <laughs> yes. Let's be okay with both and holding both because yeah. we're not called to just like pick one or the other because yeah, yeah. that's not
1: faithful, Yeah, right? that's right. It's certainly not faithful to the, the biblical text. It's not faithful to who God has shown himself to be right throughout um, human history. And how rich that God can be all of that. Yeah, and more. Yeah, that's right. Crazy. Well, thank you guys so much for your questions. Uh, We are going to continue to answer any questions that you send through from time to time in question and response (laughs) podcasts. Indeed. But, yeah, so if you've got more questions um, that you'd like us to at least – make a comment on <laughs> and ask more questions yeah. about feel free to send them through i uh, think we're really happy to do that um, but for now we've probably left you in a space where you have more questions than answers and Woo-hoo. that's not a bad thing oh it's the best thing yeah. ever so keep wrestling with them keep living in this tension keep following and trusting in jesus we'll catch you next time see you
0: next time <laughs>